Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. This includes animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and, importantly, appreciation. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available from both the 3CR and Freedom of Species websites. All podcasts are available via iTunes. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and with me here is fellow Fozzie Adam Cardellini. G'day. Today the studio is pretty cosy, as we have four guests here with us, and there's actually not enough mics to go around. We're going to be talking about the Worldwide Save Movement, and that was started by Anita Crunk, I hope I got that pronunciation right, with Toronto Pig Save about six years ago, and it now has scores of chapters around the world. And these aforementioned four guests, they're the founders of Melbourne Pig Save, Melbourne Chicken Save, Melbourne Cow Save, and Melbourne Sheep Save. So from Melbourne Pig Save, we have Karina. Hello. And from Melbourne Chicken Save, we have Liz. Hi. And from Melbourne Sheep Save, we have Robin. Hello. And from Melbourne Cow Save, we have Nat. Hi. Now, do you all get together like this much? Do you eyeball each other much or socially or at actions, or is this a bit of a... Is this a bit of a first or not? Um, we do hang out together a bit, mainly yeah. in animal-related situations, I think, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we do a lot of collaboration. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we yeah. do. We talk a lot online. Yeah, right. And get things sorted, and then we see each other when we're at actions, etc. So you do actions together? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we always get together and uh, collaborate on outreaches and uh, vigils and things like that. Okay. We, we don't actually... Uh, we join in each other's actions, put it that way. We will go to one action for one group and then on to another for another um, and or go to each other's events and rallies, etc. But we haven't um, had a joint rally except for Pig and Chicken Save who have their big Christmas joint rally. That's the only time we actually have the two groups running one event. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool, because I sort of felt when you first came into the studio here that you're all familiar, there was a bit of a buzz, you're all happy to see each oh, other. Oh, yeah, we're all friends yeah. too, as yeah. well as animal advocates. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I think that's what I found. Um, I'm the newest to the group, but I found that the support that I've got from the other three has been fantastic. Yeah. It's been really good, so I think it's really good how we all work together like that to support each other. Nice. That's great. So now, as I understand it, the SAVE movement exists principally to bear witness to the suffering of farmed animals as they're trucked to slaughter. So... What's the benefit to the Melbourne Save groups of being part of this worldwide network and rather than just being, you know, a random independent group of local activists who are championing animal rights, you know, what's the benefit and isn't independence a good thing? I think it's good that we've got the contact with other countries and what they do in other countries because it gives us feedback, what they do, it gives us ideas. We're not just an isolated group operating just on our own um, and again that's I'm speaking from being new to this movement in that it's good to hear what other groups are doing not just within Australia but other countries as well. So you're from you're from Melbourne Sheep Save? Yes. And so you've you, I take it you've really got some it's like a network of resources for you I suppose. Yes definitely. Yeah nice. Um, I think our actions as well if we're all independent but we come together as a collective and so it really compounds what we're doing it makes it amplified as well yeah cool Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i think having the resources of um uh, the save movement in other countries and the support that we have is um absolutely crucial to us being able to exist okay the melbourne save groups do pretty regular city demos and outreach events maybe more so than the bearing witness vigils is that right 
Yes, we've done um, outreach rallies now. Melbourne Pig Save started um, outreach rallies first and then Chicken Save join in and then we're going to have, um, we've had Cow Save and we will soon have the first Sheep Save one, be the first Sheep Save rally in the world. No other, there's no other sheep save group in the world. So, wow. Yeah, that's You're the first. Yeah. I am, apparently. <laughs> You're a rarity and we've got you here live in the studio. <laughs> which, is, which is sort of good that Australia is doing that because we are sort of, we do have a, a big, uh, quote, lamb culture here, don't we? Oh, and definitely. Especially yeah. with recent Invasion Day, sort of, we have those, um, those ads that the meat, industry always put forward about eating mm-hmm. the flesh of sheep so it's good that you that you're sort of doing that mm. yeah it is appropriate yeah. that you are here in australia rather than mm. i don't know in the canada they probably don't have a they don't have much of a lamb industry i am not sure definitely here i mean even the action that we have had for sheep save so far is that just prior to australia day we um had a group that went into <coughs> supermarkets and we had silent protests just in front of the meat department we had signs um of there were photos of lambs and words like meet your meat, I didn't want to die, just because people, I think, find it too easy to just go into the meat department, pick up whatever's on the shelf. I mean, they know it's an animal, but they don't actually relate it back to the real animal that once was alive, and that was our aim in doing that, just to try to bring that into their consciousness, you know, to make them aware of who actually dies to supply that that meat, you know, what, that they're eating. And that's a big thing in Australia for Australia Day, like you were saying. So that's why we did that just yeah. prior to Australia Day. And just getting back to answering your question about we do more outreach than vigils, I think um, outreach was our main thing. And for me, vigils weren't even going to be a consideration because I thought that outreach was the way to actually um, go with um, getting the message out there to people but since learning about vigils and starting vigils, we've now had five or six, I can't remember. I think vigils for um, us are something that I really want to continue with because they have changed my perception of the way I want to engage other people. I want uh, It really is something that has made my resolve um, more to work for animals and why we're vegan and why we're doing all what we do when you actually look at the animals before they die and you actually go along and see them face to face. We didn't get that opportunity before we started doing vigils. So we didn't actually have that same connection, even though we've been vegan for however long and we advocate for animals, but we didn't have that same connection and it's allowed us to have that intimate connection and to be able to go away and say, this is what happens. We've seen it firsthand and here you are, you look at it and you come along and join in with us, even if we want meat eaters to come, that would be fantastic. Um, but that is why we now start doing vigils as well as outreach. But Yeah, every action has its place. Um, but also, you know, we are a part of the SAVE movement, so, it, you know, it's a given that we should be doing vigils as well, just to pay respect to the animals and the movement itself. Um, outreach in the mail, for example, and leafleting, is a great thing, but as Lizzie said, when you see the animals up close and personal, you're looking into their eyes, you're giving other um, activists an opportunity as well that they may not Mm. have otherwise. And then you can speak with some authenticity about their lives. And, you know, we've seen so much footage of inside the piggeries and on the farms. This is just another aspect to their suffering that we can show people. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so what kind of reception do you get at your city demos? Good. I think mm, we get really, yeah, yeah, yeah very good, very positive. So, I mean, we get heckled, of course. It's always <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, there's always, there's always be one. There's it's always occasional. Yeah. There's always but one that will point out that we're wearing leather shoes, but we're <laughs> actually we're not. not. <laughs> yeah. But they never stop to listen to that. Bit. No. They just yell something out and run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like, hang on, come back. We want to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I know that kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Interesting human psyche. Um, So this, but this term bearing witness, I find to be a really interesting one. And it's, and it's one that's not um, exclusive to animal rights because I worked for many years with the aid agency MSF or called Doctors Without Borders in really absurdly remote and far flung places. And, and one of its enduring fundamental principles is to bear witness or because it's a a French organization, it likes to use the French word for it, which is temonage. And, 
MSF has always been adamant that temonage or bearing witness is necessary for effective advocacy. And uh, I heard Anita Crunk from T Toronto Pig Save say that when someone is suffering, it's actually wrong to look away. We all have a duty to be present and try to help. In the history of the world, that's how social movements progress. And, and Anita goes on to say that being vegan isn't enough and that it doesn't excuse your duty to bear witness and that it's actually quite life-changing and, and that everyone should do it at least once in their life. So what does bearing witness actually mean to, to you, the witnesses, in this context of farmed animals on trucks? And, and what does it literally entail? I mean, the, the animals are going to continue on to their death. So who does it benefit and what is its purpose? I've heard people say to me, the thing about the trucks, the trucks are going to take the animals, they're going to be killed anyway, so what does it matter? Um, for us, stopping the trucks, it's not for us, um, we don't want to just stop trucks, we're not just about that. We want to actually stop the trucks, get a chance to see the animals, take photos, um, in some cases give them water maybe, um, those sort of things, um, and then spread that awareness to people so that people it's too easy like with the meat in the supermarkets it's too easy for people to think oh yeah that was an animal they get killed and that's it we want them to actually see the conditions that some of these animals are in you know some of the animals that arrive at slaughterhouses the condition they they're in it's just appalling there'll be dead animals there'll be injured animals sick there'll be especially say in the case of sheep you know there'll be sheep that are down on the floor and they'll be being trampled by other sheep and that's the sort of thing that unless you're actually there there's no way that you can know that that goes on so by being there for them taking photos spreading it on social media we want to make people aware of what actually goes on and i firmly believe too that animals feel what we feel towards them and if we can give them that last moment of comfort which i'm sure up until then they haven't received, most of them haven't received, if we can give them a certain level of comfort, I don't know whether reassurance is the right word, acknowledgement, acknowledgement exist, yeah. um, that maybe in their last moments that might be something positive for them to feel. Mm -hmm. I was talking about this with my mum and she actually said something that, you know, really hit home is that these, us being there is the only time that animals receive a truly caring, authentic mm. experience where no one's wanted anything from them. We've wanted to be there to give to them, not to take away from them. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, the, I find usually what happens is, especially with the sheep, maybe because I sort of, I suppose I connect with the sheep more, but usually there'll be a sheep or two and they just, they make eye contact and they just, they just look at you and what they're feeling is just, I don't, I suppose must be despair and I suppose maybe they're just, where are their last hope? Um, the photo that I have on the Melbourne sheep page, um, the Facebook page is one of those sheep and she just s stood there and looked at me and I'm hoping that maybe I was able to give her just that last bit of comfort in her last moments. Why do you feel a, an affinity with the sheep in particular? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's interesting. I've, um, I've volunteered at sanctuaries for the, quite a few years now and at the last sanctuary I was at, I got to know sheep much more and they're just amazing animals they're so affectionate they're intelligent you know people think that sheep are stupid and just see them as this bunch of dumb animals that stay in a group they're far from that they're individuals and so I've actually in the last um, just before Christmas actually I adopted five from the last sanctuary that I was at now I keep them at a friend's place on her property and I go and visit them it's the highlight of my week and it's just People don't realise that animals, and I mean it goes for all other farmed animals, they're really no different to maybe dogs and cats in the affection that they can show and the connection that you can have with them. They follow me around. They, I really bonded. I've really bonded with them, and it's just amazing to have that experience. And Robin's so I, sheep push each other out of the way to, to sit on her lap. <laughs> <laughs> Try to sit on her lap. They're fully grown sheep, five of them. You imagine yeah. that? They're big, so they're big. They're what merinos or something? Or um, well, they're varying ages. Well, two of them are fairly big. There's one middle size and two smaller ones. The smaller ones they get sort of pushed to the side a bit by the bigger ones. But, but you um, prefer to have those on your lap, I'm sure, than a full grown. <laughs> sheep because they're mean, all they're quite heavy big. yeah <laughs> they well. maybe don't sit on my lap but they do try to walk on me they try to yeah. stand I mean just be right in my face just to have that connection it's yeah. amazing they want that connection they want that affection 
if I stop giving them affection, if I stop patting them too soon, they'll get their foot and they'll pour at me or they'll give me a headbutt or something and saying more, I want more. Yeah, right. My, my parents were sheep farmers and then when they retired, they kept a small mob of sheep just to sort of in the, keep the grass down around the house or something in the, on their little retirement property. And then there was one sheep, one ewe that got mastitis and so they removed them. They removed her from the flock for, mm-hmm. to rehabilitate. And when they put her back into the flock, she they were watching her and she went around every other um, member of that flock, which was about, I don't know, maybe 20, and bumped heads with every single one <laughs> oh. to greet on, their, on her yeah. return. And my parents were gobsmacked because they'd only dealt with flocks of like hundreds of sheep before. Mm-hmm. And so they hadn't seen any of this interaction. Yep. So this is after a lifetime of sheep farming. They went, oh, my God, these animals have complex social networks. Mm-hmm. They know each other individually. This is not just a, a bunch of um, drones. These are really complex mm-hmm. animals. And they were gobsmacked. And they, unfortunately, they didn't go vegan, but they went, oh, we can never kill one of our own sheep again because they used to just slaughter their own sheep for mm-hmm. meat. And after seeing that, they went, oh, Jesus, we can't do that again. So that was a minor, it was a small breakthrough, but an important breakthrough for them. And I was like, hallelujah, you see it. Yeah, I think that's what we would all hope, that people make that connection. We've made the connection with the animals, and that's when it's pretty much impossible to not be vegan. It's impossible to keep contributing. So I suppose that's the hope Mm. for all of us, that people make that connection to Mm. the animals um, and not just see them as an object. Yeah, exactly. Now, just backing up to your bearing witness... So when you're when you're bearing witness in the trucks, um, you're not actually trying to block or like obstruct the trucks or release the animals. All you're doing is is communing with them one last time through the truck walls. Is that right? Absolutely, we're there mm-hmm. for the animals. We're not. Yeah. It's a big machine. We're not yeah, there against in, the workers. We're yep. not there against the truckies. We're there. We just ask them to stop for us for. Maximum we've ever asked for is five minutes and we just want to have that opportunity to witness the animals, take films, take um, photos and have that opportunity and then we get out the way and we we let them go in because it's inevitable. Mm. And what they're doing is not um, basically against the law. Unfortunately, they're not supposed to transport sick and dying animals, but we can't stop that and they're going to go in anyway. We just want that time allowed for us to go and bear witness to these animals before they die. Do any of the truckies <coughs> object to that or does, do most people, they do, do a lot, a lot won't stop? No, um, a, a lot of them, uh, we have some who um, stop, um, they stop under sufferance. Yeah, under <laughs> sufferance they'll stop for the five minutes. And this is just at the gate of the slaughterhouse? Uh, the the or... road at the, we use for the chicken um, slaughterhouse, we use it's a road that leads into the slaughterhouse okay. and that, before they get to the gate we okay. stop them on the road. Yeah, okay. Um, so they're moving slowly, they're not... We, well, well yeah. <laughs> it, de- it depends. Actually at the Melbourne Chicken Save vigil the other day, the last truck drove up pretty fast and I was standing there going, I don't think he's mm. going to slow down. But he did, but just very short. Yeah, right. Yes. So yeah. they try to frighten you a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Others... Um, at Melbourne Pig Save, because we get the cooperation with the police as well, they'll yeah. speak with the slaughterhouse and we get the agreement. So they pre-warn the truck drivers. They know what they're coming up to. Um, but, yeah, they're still hesitant to stop. You're right. Yeah, yeah they okay. don't want us touching their trucks either. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they, we could damage them. Yeah, yeah you could. <laughs> they have um, actually said, um, I had one that said, um, I'm really tired, I, I really want to go to bed. Um, I'm really tired because they drive all night, you see. And he was just wanted to get in there, offload, and wanted to get some sleep. And he was not happy about being stopped, but it was five minutes. And another one said, I've got kids to pick up. This is having a conversation with mm-hmm. them through the window of their truck. Yeah. Um, and I've got kids to pick up. And I just said, we're going to be five minutes. And, you know, they will be yeah. stopped. There's people in front of the truck yeah. with signs. And um, we had one driver who drove as fast as he could to get to the vigil because he wanted to be stopped he wanted us to um be witnessing what he was doing and i think he just wanted to tell his mates maybe in the boredom of his job that this is what happened to me today yeah so he got there and we stopped him he was happy (laughs) (laughs) strange now um i know anita crunk of toronto pig save is she's currently facing criminal charges because she gave some water to a pig in a truck during one of her 
bearing witness vigils in Toronto. And I mean, I, I find it extraordinary that that it's such a huge, seems to me such a huge overreaction to a really insignificant act that normally wouldn't have interrupted any of the proceedings. You know, she just pushed the spout of a water bottle through the truck side so that a pig that was under a lot of heat stress could take a final drink, possibly its last drink. But this truck driver lost it and now it's ended up in the courts. And, and I'm wondering what the hell is going on there because, I mean, is this just one a hot, cranky pig farmer or is it actually sort of symptomatic of an, of an industry that's actually getting quite freaked out and rattled by the public's rising awareness of this institutionalised cruelty and they're trying to stamp out any of the activism? That's a hard one to answer. Um, from our point of view, it, well, I would see it as just one particularly cranky yeah, okay. truck driver, pig farmer. Yeah. Because um, she wasn't even arrested at the scene. Yeah, they went right. and arrested her at her home later on. Yeah, but right. it's just absurd that they say it's tampering with food and it's so degrading to call them food, like yeah. they're living beings beforehand. Um, yeah, they're and not they, food yet, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. not walking yeah. food. Yeah. Um, but to say that the water could have been contaminated but have no concern for all the drugs that they <laughs> yeah. shove into them and the it's foods insane. that they feed them and that they're living in their own yeah. filth and feces and urine and yeah. God knows what else. It's just madness. That so is... they're trying to make a point now. Yeah. Probably want to deter yeah. activists. Yeah. yeah. That is fight. Yeah. So do you think... Um, how do you think it's going to fare? I mean, it hasn't been it hasn't been resolved yet, is uh, it? March twelfth or March something. It's been yeah. ongoing. There's been multiple appearances. Right. It's just so we'll dragging it out. It's fantastic. Couldn't have asked for a better media yeah, coverage. It, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we'll find out in about a month's time. Yeah. Yeah. Touch wood. Next one if they don't adjourn it again. If they don't adjourn it again, because yeah. it is. Yeah, it has made a big deal out of mm. out of it. Which I mean, which is crazy, but it actually yeah, it yeah. works well for you guys. And it won't stop people. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. going to yeah. deter people. So they're just going to waste their. Yeah. Time and money. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it just galvanised people further. Yeah, yeah and the SAVE sure. movement has almost, it's almost since then, it's exploded yeah, all right. over the world and it's yeah. just growing and yeah. it seems like that was a catalyst yeah. for maybe, you know, this is happening and everyone found out about it and um, now people realise that they can be part of it, that can be their um, animal advocacy that they want to be part of and... Um, Anyone can join in and do it. It doesn't have to be, a, you know, you don't have any special yeah. set of skills or anything. You just have to have the right objective in mind. Yeah, cool. Now, um, I mean, it does, it seems like it's insane that there's this simple act of compassion has become what could be a potentially criminal act. And, and I mean, if that was a hot trap, if there was a hot trap dog and someone gave the dog a drink, there'd be such a totally different reaction for that. So, I mean, why is our society so appalled when it sees pictures of dogs crammed into trucks in Southeast Asia destined for slaughter, yet they barely acknowledge a truck crammed full of farmed animals heading for a slaughterhouse right here in Melbourne? What's the difference? I think it gets back to that people just don't relate to farm animals as sensitive living beings that feel as much as any other animal does. It's sort of what I was saying before, you know, once you make that contact with those animals, you realise there's no difference. Mm. But so many people, um, I suppose because, you know, dogs are domesticated, they're with us all the time, and most people connect to dogs or maybe cats. Yeah. But there's just not that connection to the farmed animals because they don't see them as much, they don't experience them. It's crazy because, I, I mean, it, for a long time, ever my whole life, but long before I was vegan, I would keep on hearing how pigs are as intelligent as dogs. That's, I mean, that keeps get, gets parroted so many mm. times, but people still don't want to take that on board or it's inconvenient to actually mm. to acknowledge mm. that, to actually let that filter down. I think, it's, I think the inconvenience is a big thing. I think yeah. for, them, for people to acknowledge that farm animals feel as much as other animals, that means they're going to have to make huge changes mm. in their lives. Yeah. And those changes, the funny thing is, those changes actually aren't that hard. I was um, vegetarian for a long time and I always thought vegan was really extreme. I thought, no, I could never do that. Mm. Once I went vegan, it was easy. You yeah, know, there's yeah. not a big thing. And I think people, mm. but people are just not, for some reason, they have a block. Yeah. I mean, I have close family members and friends that they know what I do. They know how um, important these animals are to me and I try to tell them things. But they just put up a wall and yeah. I, I don't, it's something I don't understand. I don't understand how they can be, they're caring people. They're not 
violent people, they're not uncaring, they're compassionate people, but when it comes to animals that they eat, there's a wall there. And it's, it comes to behaviour change, which is actually changing something that you do. Um, so, I mean, slaughterhouses are said to be the most violent places on earth, next to war zones. And it must be it must be a shocking, shockingly terrible place for the people who work there, as there's been many psychological studies that attest to that. Have you ever managed to have any meaningful dialogues with local slaughterhouse workers? Not at the vigils as such. Um, we have come into contact with some people that have worked in slaughterhouses or, or farms. Um, we have recently been contacted with a person who used to work in a sheep and go slaughterhouse. So we've got the opportunity where we may be able to interview them and speak with them. And, and he said it was really traumatic, like really disturbed him. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I had someone uh, contact Melbourne Chicken Save who used to work in where the chickens begin their lives before they end up at the slaughterhouse, which was the um, hatchery. The uh, poultry company has a hatchery where there are parent birds who are kept in disgusting conditions. The uh, hens are continuously raped by the roosters. They let them all in together. Um, and because of that, they usually have got bare, red, raw backs. But it doesn't stop. It goes on for a year. And they um, are treated... She said that they... She's seen the chickens being kicked down the aisles like footballs. Um, this is only the beginning where they hatch the eggs. They collect the eggs and they um, hatch them and they truck them down to um, Victorian slaughterhouses um, or for, not slaughterhouses, sorry, um, meat companies who then raise them and they then end up in the slaughterhouse, of course. But the um, worker just said it was hell and that, you know, it was... The turnover of workers was horrible because it was hell for the workers and it was hell for the animals. So there was nothing about it that was good to work. And she mm. said when they collected them at the end of every year, they'd do what they'd call a, a big clean-out. And she said she saw them, they'd grab them, throwing them on the trucks into crates. Just a whole attitude is that they are not living sentient beings right from the beginning, mm. right to the end. And mm. she said that their legs often got... Um, caught by the cut off feet. as well yeah, in that process. Feet, feet cut off by the lip being lifted onto forklifts. And travelling hours to from South Australia to Victoria mm -hmm. for slaughter. Wow, yeah. my God. So so the, the slaughterhouse workers that you've spoken to have given you some really valuable insights into yeah, what's going have, on. Yeah. Not just about their own conditions but about more about the animals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fear there. We'd like to get more. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I guess they're worried that their jobs might be... Yeah, at risk. At risk, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm. And Melbourne Cow Save is currently in the process of we're going to be interviewing a slaughter ex-slaughterhouse worker uh -huh. who worked at a cow slaughterhouse, so that will be up on the Facebook page in the future as cool. well. Who's that? Uh, Josh Agland. Oh, we've had him here on the yeah. show. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> great, great, great. That's really good. Um, now, there's, there's currently a, a, a government campaign called Victorians Against Violence, and that's addressing family violence. So, um, you know, there's cruelty to companion, companion animals has been shown to be um, a pretty common result of family violence. And there's the, the local campaign against duck shooting that most people are aware of. Have, it often references the connections between hunting and gun violence. So is the Victorians Against Violence campaign something that you guys have been able to tap into with those um, psych studies suggesting that there's an increased family violence among slaughterhouse workers or, or does it all just end up being kind of counterproductive and alienating when you try to demonstrate the connections between animal rights campaigns with campaigns intended for humans as though human violence is sort of a sacred taboo topic like don't you know don't contaminate it with issues of animal violence this is just about human violence um for melbourne pig save we've never targeted the human violence aspect right but you know, it's all linked in together, really, isn't it? If yeah. you're violent to animals, yeah. Same for humans. Lack of respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There seems to be studies in America that, that that does show that there's there's raised violence amongst slaughterhouse workers. And yeah, there's lots of studies around like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I guess they need to be so disconnected as well. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you read stories about workers who say that they can't look the animal in the eye, as well. Yeah. Right. Treat them as objects, otherwise they'd never cope. Yeah, right. Mm. Oh. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, now, look, um, 
We're just going to take a break with a song because um, Liz here of Melbourne Chicken Save, you in a former life used to front a rock band in Adelaide, didn't you? <laughs> One or two, yeah. One or two. Were you an animal activist then? Yes, I was. Yeah, cool. Yeah, since 1986 I joined Animal Liberation South Australia and the Animal um, Anti-Vivisection Union of South Australia. Did lots of work for both groups back then and managed to run a band, do my activism and work 40 hours a week. Awesome. I don't know yeah, how I wow. do that. Busy. Um, so I gave it all up for animal activism. Cool. <laughs> Prioritise. Now, um, what's the song we're going to play? You've got, we've got songs here from you. So what's the name of the song? What's the first one? Oh, I'll here we go. Oh, I'll Be Your Navigator. Oh, I'll Be Your Navigator. Okay. Uh, this was a song I wrote um, driving with my dog um, into, town, into town one day for something in Adelaide. And um, it was just about, um, I don't know, being guided and maybe wanting to get out of a situation where um, things around me weren't fantastic. Because back then with um, animal rights, we didn't have a lot of information available because, of course, no technology. So we were getting things in the mail and yes. paper and I was Snail seeing work. a lot of, yeah, I was seeing a lot of horrible things come in and I just like, I couldn't believe it, what was happening. Um, and I remember writing that song about, it was almost like, navigate me out of here. Yeah, right, yeah. cool. And my, my dog was my navigator. Yeah, awesome. In the film clip, he's sitting on the seat with a map. <laughs> so this is, um, this is when your band's name was the... Twi- 22nd Sect, yeah. The 22nd Sect, so here we go. The 18th National Sustainable Living Festival is on again from the 4th to the 28th of February 2017. As dangerous climate change continues to threaten the things we care about, a sustainable lifestyle and restoring a safe climate is more important than ever. Featuring leading forums, artworks, talks, exhibitions and a new online festival program, it's time to ramp up the message and protect the things you care about. Event applications and full details at slf.org.au a 3CR supporter. So this is Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio, 855am, and that last song that you heard was uh, the 22nd Sect, and the song was I'll Be Your Nav- Navigator by our very own Liz from Melbourne Chicken Safe. So we're talking here with um, the good folk of Melbourne Chicken Safe, Melbourne Pig Safe, Melbourne Cow Safe, Melbourne Sheep Safe, from the Worldwide Save Movement, talking about their vigils and the outreach that they do here in Melbourne for farmed animals. Now, I know there's been recent opportunities to make submissions to government on animal welfare issues. Have you been able to contribute to that dialogue? Um, well, yeah, anything that comes in, I think, um, I, I couldn't remember all of them that I've actually put submissions in because I'll just put submissions for everything that comes in, but I've definitely done it for the um, Barring Up um, Broiler Farm, which unfortunately lost the fight after probably a three-year battle not to get the broiler farm um, set up out, I think it's in the Macedon Ranges, um, the broiler farm they're setting up out there, and they, they've lost, they've fought really long and hard, and it's been approved, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so that mm. means billions more lives mm. um, going to, you know, billions more misery and pain mm. and suffering as well as impacting on the people who live out in that, um, mm. you know, fairly pristine area out there. And also um, the Blantyre Yeah, people. the um, Say No to Blantyre Farms in Harden. Yes, yep. So that's been a really um, a great pigs. campaign that's been going on for pigs. There, um, there was an application put in by the beverages who run a couple of piggeries in South Australia for this other farm um, proposing 22,000 pigs. Um, Not sure how many sows would be trapped there. Um, Lots of people have put in submissions for that, ourselves included, and it's looking pretty good. A couple of um, government bodies have said no. So basically the council, we don't want to jinx it but yeah. the council really has to follow their advice and most likely say no there's a meeting coming up in march okay. where that decision will be finalized so we're fairly certain that will be 
knocked back. Cool. So that's a win for the animals. Yeah, a great win for the animals. Yeah. yeah. But we need a Macedon Rangers pig save group by the sound of it. Chicken save that was. Yeah. Oh, that was chicken that save. Was for chi- sorry. Bro- sorry, I should have so, said yeah, for broilers. You did, you did broilers. Chickens, they call them. Yeah. yeah so, so we need a Melbourne and we need a Macedon <laughs> Rangers chicken save if anyone's up there and wants to start mm. up a new chapter. Yeah, well, they had the whole group, the whole a massive group that they formed up there against this broiler farm. Um yeah, it was it was huge. They ran a fantastic campaign and got a lot of people on board, but unfortunately, yeah. business and, won out. Yeah, yeah. it Money. wasn't just animal activists that were against it. It was also the local people. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, this is all often lost. the case in the communities. Mm. M- most communities don't want fa- factory farms coming in. Well, especially like Lizzie said, in pristine, in pristine or areas. Yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't benefit anyone. It's horrible. Yeah. Mm. So last time I checked the status of the save movement in Australia, there was a pig save in each of Sydney and Perth and a and a Brisbane animal save. But here in Melbourne, there's four. There's chickens, cows, pigs and sheep all being represented. What's what's going on and why does this random city at the end of the world show such strong representation in, this, in the worldwide save movement? Well, when we first started, we... Um we started nearly five years ago as Melbourne Pig Save, but our first rally we weren't associated with the Save movement at all. And it was actually Kate Elliott who told us about Anita and Toronto Pig Save. And we had a couple of rallies later, still unden- unidentified, no identity. And we had an interview and we needed to call ourselves something. <laughs> and we had looked into the Pig Save group and thought, why not? Why not join the movement? And unite together so we and that's part of the reason why we did outreach so much because that was really what we were targeting then um and so we were going for a while and then lizzie started up the chicken save group and i'll let lizzie i started chicken save because i used to go to all the pig save rallies and someone um a visiting activist from overseas said um these rallies are great but what about you're telling people not to eat pigs they're going to go away and eat chickens and um, I thought, right. And I went home and thought, you know what, maybe they will, so I'll, t- I'll start Melbourne Chicken Save. And I, on the same, um, I did the same. I started with outreach rallies and was in contact with Anita and Toronto Pig Save and Chicken Save, who are incredibly supportive um, and got going as Melbourne Chicken Save, had rallies. And then for, since uh, March 2014, I think was the first rally and happened several times a year since then. And then, you know, last year started the vigil part of the save um, actions as well. So we had to outreach and vigils. Yeah, right. Because you certainly get huge turnouts when in the city. I've seen the... the yeah, your, it varies, I the think. The outreach in the city is, is in the Burke Street Mall, the really mm. good turnout. We do often get really good. Sometimes it's a bit less, but it's the public we want to come to the table to talk to mm. us, etc. So even if we had 10 people there, they and still had the action happening on the table, signing petitions to get them in to speak so we can talk about the causes. It's still worthwhile, no matter if we have 100 or 10 people turn Mm. up for our rallies, Mm. you know, we still appreciate that they've come out for that day. Mm. At our last rally, we had Melbourne Pig Save and Chicken Save joint, and we wanted to fill both sides of the stairs out the front of the old post office, and we did it. And it went over. It was huge. Yeah, Yeah, it was an awesome turnout. It's impressive, but, like, yeah, as Lizzie said, you know, whether there's 20 people or 100, yeah. we're just there to be the for message the is always the same. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And and on that point about, you know, um, if you just talk about pig save, then people just go and eat chicken, chicken flesh. Um, the yeah, some people have a have an issue with the reducing a a movement to one one farmed animal type. Um, and I suppose you're sort of covering that by having all of them now. Mm. You're, you're sort of getting to all, like most of the large, um, the largest number of animals that are farmed in Australia. Um, what is the messaging you're using when you're doing a outreach? Is it to go vegan? Is that what you're asking Absolutely. people to do? Absolutely. Yeah, that's yes. the underlying Always. message. Even though we try to, we focus on one animal, and people might come up to the desk and we talk to them about one animal to start with. Um, we will then sort of try to then bring in the vegan idea and say, you know, because being vegan is really the only way to stop animal suffering. There's no other way. There's no half measures. You either, 
contributing to the suffering or you're not mm. and being vegan is the only way as much as is in our control you know yeah. not to not to contribute yeah. to animal suffering so we do try to have that as the underlying message mm. and, and all we our literature is yeah. all vegan yeah and we understand yeah. people struggle you know it's a massive concept to them yeah just to even understand what being vegan is or eliminating animal products so you know, they might have an idea for one thing. Okay, yeah, start there. But we encourage you to keep going. Like, there's no end to it. There's no end to the cruelty. So the ultimate aim is to be vegan. Mm, yeah, right. Yep. Now, is joining forces and becoming Melbourne Animal Save an, an option for you all? You must have considered it at some stage. Mm. Um, we have spoken about it before. Um, I think only I might have mentioned it to Karina once or twice in earlier days. But... Um, it's not something we'll be doing because um, if we had started as Melbourne Farm Animal Save or Melbourne Animal Save, fine, but we're not. We are four individual groups who act independently but support each other with everything that we do. So, um, you know, there's lots of collaboration and lots of um, behind the scenes um, getting together and helping each other with whatever from, you know, printing to what we can say and speeches to... Um, Everything, everything that you need to be able to run successfully, we're there to help each other with, but we won't be uh, merging as a as one group. Okay. Yeah, we found it um, it's effective to put it in compartments for people as well. Um, having a big umbrella of animals save. There's too many topics to cover with any. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. Meaningful way. Yep. So you know, at least in to other things and we do give out the general information about animals as well so we hand out the vegan booklets which cover all aspects of the animals yep. so yeah so can you tell me what each of your groups is do going on right at the moment um with melbourne chicken save we um have been well like i said we started doing vigils last year so we're doing we're going to continue with vigils and we do rallies in the mall still and we have um you know presence on online so i guess we're just going to continue with that with outreach we're going to start doing visual reality headsets where we're going to offer people money to come and have a look at a short film about chicken farms so once I can figure out how to work the headsets, we'll be starting with that. I'm not very good with technical equipment, but we'll be starting that up in probably Burke Street Mall and also having some, instead of big rallies, I want to have some small individual information tables throughout the year um, where it's not so much um, relying on people to be able to come, 100 people to come and stand with us, but just information, the public, you know, asking people to come up to the table, still giving out the same information and um, making people aware and having that aspect of footage that they can come and watch too, um, maybe also um, TV footage as well as having the visual, visual reality experience. So I guess with those things, we'll be keeping us busy. Cool. Um, Melbourne Pig Save, so we've had a couple of vigils at Diamond Valley Pork, um, which have been fairly successful. Um, we're having a rally on the 18th of March. Um, you can check the details on our Facebook page, Melbourne Pig Save. Um, also, we have been doing city vigils as a collective mm. of the Save groups. So just going into the city been on the truck route for the cows, the cattle and sheep. Do they pass through the city? They have to pass yes. through the city. Right. Um, if they've got open top trucks, they're not allowed to go through the tunnel. Oh, yeah, okay, because okay, they've yeah. had some accidents yeah, yeah, where the yeah. animals have been hit. Um, so, and we just go there, acknowledge the animals, take the photos and videos um, and hold out posters so that people see, understand what we're doing there and get them to look at the poster, look at the truck and make a connection instead of jogging along the tan, yeah, the botanical right. gardens yeah. in their own little world. Yeah, it's like, right. see them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Melbourne Cow Save, yesterday we had a Valentine's Day outreach where we gave out a whole heap of Loving Earth chocolate, which was donated from Loving Earth. Which is vegan. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we also gave out specific uh, Valentine's Day leaflets with the chocolates and also on the back of the leaflets it had like a whole big list of all of these vegan chocolates that people can choose. Um, and we're also doing like similar things to Melbourne Chicken Save where we'll be having smaller demonstrations in the Burke Street Mall. 
um, with focusing on like special days like Easter and and Mother's Day and things like that as well. Um, Nat, yeah, the South Melbourne action. Oh mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I organised also uh, South. At the South Melbourne Market, Master Chef was filming. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Work. So yeah, we um, I organised some posters, got a whole heap of Melbourne vegan activists, which were they were amazing, and we um, yeah went Stirred there. Stirred it up just a bit. Got <laughs> huge coverage. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Right. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, cool. <laughs> really good. What about Melbourne Sheep Save? I'm in the process of organising the first vigil, uh, not vigil, um, rally in Burke Street. That that will be April 8th. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of organisation to go into that. And uh, Nat and I are actually working together. Um, we're going to have some leafleting in front of some stores in Melbourne, um, sheep and wool product stores, leather goods, those sort of um, stores where we'll... Um, not disrupt the shops at all. We'll just stand at the front and hand out information leaflets about, again, just making people aware of what the animals actually go through to produce these products and that there are uh, cruelty-free alternatives. And we're also looking at doing a joint vigil. At the moment, we're just looking at locations. Yeah, looking at locations, deciding where would be the best place. And we might actually have a one with pigs as well, but that's still sort of that's still in the planning stage. Okay. And one other thing is that we should we're having a combined cow and chicken save rally in Burke Street Mall um, on May sixth. Um, we're doing things before that, but that's our joint rally together because it's May fourth is um, International Respect for Chickens Day, and May whatever tenth is it something is Mother's Day, and so we're going to have a joint rally for those two causes. And there's also one uh, on March 11, I think, mm. the March to, slow, oh. to close all slaughterhouses. Yeah, okay. So we'll all be participating in that, representing our groups. Yeah, and Adam's doing a special show for that too. Yeah, right? great. In course. Yeah. yeah, cool. So can, can you just tell me really quickly, if someone wants to start a new Save chapter, how do they go about it? Well, initially they can contact, um, they can contact any of us, but I think the main contact they could contact the save movement worldwide first of all to ask for information because they're always saying if you are you know anywhere in the world and you want to start a save um, group and they put their email address there contact us at this email address give us your details they'll either assist or put them in contact with people who've already got save groups to help them through that and currently there's um, a handbook being written that will be available for anyone to guide them through um, starting a save group anywhere in the world and can I just say the um, there's just the new save group in the world is Hong Kong Pig Save oh, which has just brilliant. started so yeah. needed so yeah. needed yeah. and yeah. look up her YouTube um, clip Hong Kong Pig Save it's fantastic yeah, yeah. that's great news really good but if if anyone wants to start a save group, all they need is good intentions yep. Yep. and some drive. Yep. That's all you need. Yep. Got to start somewhere. You do. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't have to tick all the boxes to start. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in 100 years' time, I think we're going to be so judged for the cr- cruelty that perpetrated on non-human animals. And I think how now that – I mean, the cruelty now will be unthinkable then. In 100 years' time, we'll be going, what were we doing mm. And just as other practices 100 years ago now seem just unbelievable. And I must admit I do get a little bit of selfish comfort when I think of that my ancestors will hopefully know that I stopped partaking in that cruelty. And all yours too that, you know, you know, Robin, Liz, Nat, Karina, that your ancestors might each say, you know, how awesome was Auntie so-and-so. She wasn't just vegan but she actually spoke up and she helped the change. You know, that is... That's that's big. It might be on your tombstones in in <laughs> the end of the century. Nice. That you know, here lies Karina. She was a yeah. vegan. Except for I'll be cremated and, <laughs> and chucked she, in the ocean. We so. There might be a little plaque. You might leave a little plaque somewhere. So she was a vegan and she helped create change. She wasn't part of the problem. Yeah, Do you we know? hope that's so. Awesome. Yeah, I hope, I hope so. We just yeah. I think that's one of the things, you know, people say to us, you're never going to change. Everyone's going to eat meat all the time. Never, the world's not going to change. And I think to be able to remind them of what huge things from the past have changed that really helps us and I think that keeps mm-hmm. us something I mean sometimes I suppose yeah I feel hopeless and I feel like nothing's ever going to happen but when you remember what has happened in the past and what has changed exactly that's a big thing that keeps us going yep. and things 
huge things can change. Absolutely. And one person makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah. Your yep. own actions. You're res- totally responsible for your own actions. That's right. Food. You, yeah. Focus food on that 100%. Food and diet is a deeply political statement yep. that we have yep. complete control of. Um, that's all we have time for today. Thank you all. It was really great to hear from you. But some community announcements before we go. There's going to be an introductory training day for wildlife rescue at Narara near Gosford on Wednesday the 15th of February and that's going to be held by Wildlife ARC Society. Uh, there's going to be another practice session for the pop-up choir that's get it, getting ready to sing its little heart out for Talangi and the Great Forest National Park. So the next practice session is on the evening of Thursday the 16th of February and the rally that it's practicing for um, at Parliament House is on the evening of the Tuesday the 21st of February. So their, their practice session is in Fitzroy at the Mark Street Hall and um, details are on um, w's greatforestnationalpark.com.au. Now the Cheltenham Cat Rescue is holding a monster garage sale and a bake sale in Pasco Vale in Melbourne next Saturday the 18th of February. And the Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Campaign is having beach cleanups at Newport in Melbourne and on Sydney's Cooks River. They're both on Sunday the 19th of February. There's another wildlife rescuer training day, this one at Bonnerong Wildlife Sanctuary, which is just north of Hobart. That's also going to be on Sunday the 19th of February. And there's going to be a screening of Raw, the documentary, which is about the two raw vegan endurance runners, Jeanette and Alan, who ran around Australia, which is an amazing feat. She overcame cancer um, through her raw vegan diet. Anyway, that screening is going to be at the Comics Lounge in North Melbourne again on Sunday the 19th of February. That's actually part of the Transitions Film Festival um, that's starting, I think, this week. And just check out the festival program because there's re- heaps of really good films um, as part of that festival. Details for all of those things I talked about um, are on their respective Facebook pages. So... Um, that's it. Now that if you want to get in touch with us, our, inf- our email is info at freedomofspecies.org and you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Big thanks to Nat of Melbourne Cow Save, Liz of Melbourne Chicken Save, Karina of Melbourne Pig Save and Robin of Melbourne Sheep Save. You're all freaking awesome. And thanks <laughs> too to Adam for some very fine panelling. Up next we've got In Psychedelia on the hour and we're going to leave you with another song from Liz. What have we got, Liz? Um, this is a song I wrote in about, I think, 1991 or 1990, I can't remember, called Abattoir. And it's a story of a calf who um, sees his family killed before him. See you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.